Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, and we're talk, going to talk about booze. Booze. Big old booze. The old social lubricant. The old liquid crutch. I remembered when I could get, when I had like three or four drinks in me, I could dance, shoot pool. There was very yeah. little I couldn't do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bound from building to building. Funny. Just the funniest oh, guy. Funny. Oh, yeah. The life of the party. <laughs> Lampshade on the head. Bowl of peanuts <laughs> in the face. Just grooving. You're cracking the jokes. And then if you ever saw the video of yourself the next day, it's like everyone's embarrassed. They're all oh. looking and they're their drinks. They're like, oh my God, like 
this this was fun for about 15 minutes now it's just i mean thank thank god we didn't have social media back then oh my god oh my god that would have been terrifying absolutely terrifying terrifying yeah although my brother had an interesting point he said you know you know how like people have there was i don't know how much they do it anymore but like they were finding people online and finding embarrassing pictures of them and jobs would do this and if they saw something they found objectionable they would you know person wouldn't get the job or you could lose a scholarship but his point was that like there's a whole generation of people now who are it's like tattoos like if you showed up for a job interview with visible tattoos you know you wouldn't get the job nowadays everybody's got them so it's sort of like well you know, most people, I guess, probably under the age of 35 have some, you know, vaguely embarrassing. You know, most of them were just seemingly benign. It was like somebody holding up a beer bottle or something. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting with tattoos is the as long as the tattoos can be covered up. Yeah. It, and it also depends on what profession you are, right? So now it's very socially acceptable, but like a neck or a face tattoo? Uh, the face, yeah. Face tattoo that, is a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, that that's where you're starting to blur the line there about, you know, employability. But in, in my, like, in the media world, it's it's it, it makes absolutely no difference and in certain respects you could be seen as more creative oh definitely with a tattoo yeah well i mean teachers i see plenty of teachers who are under the age of 30 they have visible tattoos i mean they wear short sleeves and stuff have them on their arms on their feet like a lot of women get them on their feet and the, you know i i only say. get spur of the moment tattoos that's when, my when you're the, intox- the permanence when you're intoxicated that's the only time to get them. yes only only when i'm intoxicated and in, in the worst possible places only when you're in tijuana <laughs> grossly intoxicated yeah let's get the uh are you sure you want to f- tattoo on your forehead absolutely yes absolutely yes. um so, getting a terrible tattoo might be uh, one reason to give up booze. Um, so there are, are several reasons. I, I am not a drinker. Well, anymore. well, let's let's set the stage for our listeners. Okay, okay, of, of what correct. of yeah. what we're going to discuss in this podcast. You and I just we rant on and we go into circles, take left turns down one way streets, and no one knows what's going on. Rabbit holes. Yeah. All right. So um, what we're discussing is. What would people actually do in many situations if alcohol just were not available? If all the alcohol evaporated today, Jeez, I don't know. I don't know if I could operate as a human being. I would certainly wouldn't go out. What would happen to sporting events? Uh, what would happen to well, yeah, sport. I mean, sports and alcohol go together like peanut butter. And I mean, jelly. baseball could become unwatchable. I remember many years ago on The Simpsons, uh, Homer Simpson gave up booze for like a month or something <laughs> like that. And he's sitting there at a baseball game and he goes, I never realized how boring this game was. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, to me, baseball is like watching paint dry. Like, I can watch a little bit of it. I can understand how people get into it. Who are, who are really 
you know, into those things. Like, but for me, I just, you know, it's, it's, lost I can on me. barely, you know, we just, the, uh, the, was it the Nationals versus the Astros yeah, and the yeah. Nationals won? Yeah. I could barely watch the World Series. Honestly, I could barely watch it on TV. I didn't watch but it. But if I, I, I didn't. If I go to a game, then it's more about the experience. Like I can go to a game and like watch. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, eat, yeah. drink, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So sports and sports, you know, a, a huge component of sports is the social aspect of it, as you were saying, tailgating, actually going to the game. You know, you can talk with other people about the game. Everybody there is a fan to some. Well, degree. the purpose of the purpose of tailgating is getting so wrecked that you can't even process the game. Right, right. I, I mean, I'm sure many people tailgate and they don't drink. I mean, obviously someone's got to drive home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of booze involved. You know, social situations. You go to somebody's home at night and uh, after, before dinner, during dinner, after dinner, oftentimes there's alcohol involved. And uh, Well, it's, it's also so ingrained in our society. It's like you hear people who either are recovering alcoholics or have given up alcohol, how difficult it is to not drink. Like, you know, you, your, your buddies go out on Thursday night, you know, you're you're at a conference and everyone's going out and drinking. It's it's in the fabric of society. And to not drink, you get you get ribbed. I mean, personally, I I rarely drink, but every time I go out and I don't want to drink, I get ribbed by my buddies. See, I don't. You know, I haven't had a drink in six years now seven years now uh you know it was just uh, an issue and that was that and life's been a lot better and i have not really had that experience like i don't you know I, well i guess the side product is i really don't socialize very much i don't go out uh you know i'll go out to dinner and things like that it's never been an issue no one's ever said anything to me about it uh you know i also have type 2 diabetes so it's like alcohol is all sugar and carbs it's not good for me to drink it anyway i think well certainly europe places like that i think they have way more of a drinking culture than we do they tend to see americans as very puritanical you know um i i don't think that's necessarily true but over there and maybe i'm stereotyping as well but it just seems like way more of a drinking culture i do think in america there's a, a much bigger push for people not to drink like they've opened bars in certain places that are alcohol free. Ah, uh, yes, I, I think it. But in Europe, I think it's different culturally. It's more about wine and beer, and it's drinking with, uh, with dinner. You know, it's it's more of like a, a culture. I mean, obviously, that people overindulge and drink too much. Uh, here, it's like, I don't know. Statistically, I think like. I think in in Russia, right, is the higher, highest consumption of, like, vodka, right? Isn't it, like... Yeah, but I think they've dropped... I read something recently. They've dropped way, So did way I, that down. they've dropped. Yeah. yeah, they dropped way, way down. But I, I think you're right. I think it's um, now... Like, when we were young, when we were going to college, it was, like... It was saturated. That was it. <laughs> saturated. I, mean, I mean, that was the social experience. I mean, could you imagine going out to... On a Friday night... To what was it, Alumni North and not drinking or just drinking water? Well, 
Also, we went to college in New York City. Where there was a lot to do. I mean, at schools that are out in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing oh. to do. I mean, that's what they do. I would say where we went, there was probably less drinking than at the average college or university. Yeah, yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right. And that's not saying a lot. I mean, there was a lot of drinking. Oh, yeah. Sort of. Oh, yeah. So our question is, what if you just take that out of the equation? I mean, you go to people's homes, they don't serve alcohol, which, again, is probably somewhat more prevalent. I mean, back in the 1950s, 1960s, probably up until the 70s, it was very common to drink three martinis at lunch. Like, it, it was not frowned oh, upon yeah. at all. You know, you people drank at lunch. The, the, the Mad Men era. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the liquid lunch. Yeah. So, I mean, that was very socially acceptable. And I think probably if you went out in a business situation and you didn't drink, if you said no, they that would probably be a bit of an issue. You know, it'd be like, why aren't you having a drink? Wait, like, back then or now? Back then. Back then. No, I agree. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of any profession now, maybe the entertainment industry, but I mean, if, if you went out and had drinks at lunch and went back to work, I mean, you would be seen as a degenerate, I mean, <laughs> you know, like that, there was no way that, yeah. would fl- could you imagine having three drinks at lunch and then going back to work and no. meeting with people? No. Yeah. But I mean, back then it was just, that's what you did. It was, it was seen as odd if you didn't do that i think um plus it it makes me tired you know if i had three drinks at lunch i'd have to take a nap but in any event uh there are definitely reasons for giving it up this one website uh i'll just read these quick top 10 i have more energy this is a person who gave up drinking i have more energy i'm a better parent i'm a million times more productive i like myself finally after 20 years of self-loathing I look better. Oh, Jesus. That's a statement. (laughs) Well, I I like myself after 20 years of self-loathing. Yeah, well, with, you know, with alcoholism comes a lot of self-loathing. I look better. I sleep better. I eat better. I look after my body and prioritize keeping fit. I read more. I'm a more considerate and caring partner. So there are definitely upsides to not drinking obviously hey listen that doesn't gel with uh this buds for you or captain morgan you know all these all these marketing messages that fill your brain with what equates with a fun good time is booze there's a billboard on my way every day i drive by gillette stadium and there's a billboard for crown royale and it's, yeah. talk, it's talking about loading up before the Patriots game. They specifically oh. mention the Patriots game. That you are... So you're right. There, America is the land of contradictory messages. That you shouldn't drink and, you know, it's bad for you. Then you see this big billboard. Before the Patriots game, it is just understood you're going to buy booze so you can get loaded watching this game. That's just understood. Yeah, and and you know the, you know the dirty secret with the uh, beer companies and alcohol companies is they, their profits. I think I read an article. Their profits are largely driven by people who overindulge in alcohol. I, right. I think it's like uh, it was a study in the UK, 
and it was like 80% of their profits were driven by people, now this is a big number, that had more than 71 drinks a week. 71 drinks a week? Yes. Wow, that's that's putting in work. That's a big number. Yep. And then, like, it was like, maybe it was like 78%, and then people who had more than like 42 was only like, you know, 10%. Or maybe twelve percent, and then the remainder were people who would occasionally drink. Well, you know that the list I just read, uh, a lot of that I am in. Well, most of it I'm in full agreement with. I mean, there are some people who can be wretchedly hungover and still be productive. I am not one of them. I, I can't do anything. I can't pay attention. I have no energy. Nothing. Can't do anything. Well, when when you're young, you you can. It's easier to recover from the hangover. Once you uh, you pass uh, that forty threshold, it's not worth it. <laughs> it it's a brutal, brutal next. It used to be like a brutal next morning. It could be a brutal next day for me. Oh yeah, and uh, even when I was younger, like the idea about sitting down to try to write a paper if I was hungover, I can't do that. I can't pay attention to anything. Like I just, I can't do it. I can't really do much of anything. Uh, sleeping better, definitely eating better. It all goes like you know when you're when you've had a, a lot to drink and then you go out and you get Chinese food or. As we were talking about White Castle one time, like, that is not good. <laughs> it's not. But you just sort of seem to pile on, like, it, like a lot goes with it. Like, you're drinking too much. You're also eating too much. You're not sleeping well. You're not, like, you're not making good choices for yourself. Like, it's not like the drinking oh, and it, is just and the one thing. It's terribly unhealthy for you. You're, you're taxing yeah. your liver. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's just brutal. And if you're, you know, if you're drinking sugary, like mixed drinks, then you've got sugar that's thrown into it. You, as you mentioned before, you got a decent amount of carbohydrates in there. And then usually you do something stupid after you drink, like eat a whole pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are definitely uh, upsides to not drinking. But again, we were wondering what if. Uh, you know, you went to a baseball game and there was no alcohol served. There was no beer available. None. I, I think if they did that just as a hoot, I think there would be a riot in the streets. Do you, I mean, let, let's say like Fenway Park or Shea Stadium or Yankee Stadium just said we're not selling alcohol anymore. Like you, you can't buy it alcohol. Just, you know. It it just first of all it would never happen because Budweiser and Coors Light and Molson whatever it is they pay that stadium an egregious amount of money to serve only their beer so you go there and it's like if it's a Bud Stadium you can only get Bud Bud Light you can't get anything else right and but I'm, then I'm there's saying... also the well, I mean, what what if, what if that, you know, I, I'm talking about the people. Like, would people still go to a Yankees game if beer were not available? So they're not selling beer and you can't bring beer. Can't bring beer. Can't No beer involved. Yeah, I'd say attendance would drop like a stone. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's, as you say, there's no way to test it because they're never going to do it. But Across, across the board. I football, would wonder if they had... Basketball. You know, they have like... Uh, 
sober cruises, like their booze-free cruises. Uh, I wonder if they would ever have like a sober stadium where it's like, this is a dry stadium. You know? No. What about no. like Utah? Because they have the... Uh, well, they do. They do. I think certain college stadiums are dry. Like you can't... You, I think they sell beer like outside of the stadium. Like you could like tailgate, but once you get in the stadium, you can buy zero alcohol. I wonder what would happen to tailgating if if at the uh, stadiums, like Gillette Stadium, they said there was no alcohol allowed anywhere on the premises. We are not selling yeah, alcohol. Would, it, there, there would be people that would still tailgate, but the numbers would drop like a rock. Yeah. Which is kind of a sad statement about the sports <laughs> themselves. I think, and, and the guys on WEEI uh, talk about how gambling is saving professional football. So it's booze and gambling and not really the sport itself, you know? Yeah, I I had a buddy who was, this, this was probably about 20 years ago, he was going into the Army and he had graduated from USC, right? USC is the Gamecocks, I think. Yeah. Right? Um, so he's going through the physical. He's taking, so he's got to answer all these questions. And one of the questions is, how many times have you been drunk in the last year? So he's, his, this guy's name was Bill. And Bill's like, ah, geez, man, must have been like. I don't know. He's like, he's must've been well over a hundred, maybe 150 times have been drunk in the last year. Cause he was, he had just gotten off his senior year of college. So he goes, oh, I got a low ball. This I was like, I can't put down the right number. I can't put down. I was drunk, you know, half the year. Right? <laughs> so he, he go, but he goes, but I don't want to put a number down too low where they'll call bullshit on me. Right. So he puts down like 48, Right. He's like, all right, 48. That's a that's a fair number. Like I got drunk like once a weekend. Like he's like, that's reasonable. Right. Going into the army. Yeah. So he passes the physical, passes all the tests, and then he gets called in for the interview. And he goes, they're like, Bill, there's they're like Mr. Blank. They're like, there's one thing that really kind of jumped out at us, you know, on your application. It was how many times you've been inebriated in the past year. And he's thinking like, hey, they're going to commend me. Like for only being drunk like 48 times. And they're like, the number was way over our threshold. And, he, and Bill's like, take it back. He goes, how many, how many times were you looking for? It's like, oh, we're looking for like a single digit number, preferably <laughs> under five. Yeah, but what college kid? I mean, that, that sounds. I know, I know but, it just go, but it just goes to show like, like in college, or at least this was 20 years ago, it was so socially acceptable to do that. Like, yeah. we would go out on the, on the weekends. Every weekend, twice. Friday and Saturday. Well, and a lot just of times get, Thursday, people would be going out. And thir- right, and Thursday. Yeah. And that, just get annihilated. Yeah, that, that sounds like, uh, I don't know, like maybe the Army was just sort of hinting like you shouldn't tell them you've been inebriated you should have lied yeah you should have lied or so i mean it's the army don't people in the army drink a lot but he but you know but he did lie that was the i know yeah yeah cut that number by a third yeah i remember a mutual friend of ours said he went to the doctor and the doctor was asked him how much he drank so he said i don't know like 
couple of nights a week. He's like, well, how many drinks? You know, like more than three? I said, yeah, probably three, four. He's like, well, you know, that that's qualifying as a binge drinker. And he's like, all right, <laughs> put me down as a binge drinker then. I mean, three <laughs> drinks? Again, like... In the 1950s and 60s, like, people would have that at lunch fairly regularly. I'm not saying every day, but, you know. But the, the, the problem with, you know, alcohol is a drug, right? It's like other drugs. It's like you were, the first time you have it, you have this great euphoric feeling, this, like, light buzz. And then you're always kind of chasing that demon, right? So what you really want to do with booze is you want to have one or two drinks occasionally, right? And then you'll get that light buzz, but then stop. That's the key. Like, don't go for that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, because there's nothing at the end of that tunnel that's fun. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yes, intellectually, I think that makes sense. But when you're at a tailgating extravaganza with all your, and there's a case and a half of Bud Light, that's the other thing is like Americans tend to swill cheap beer <laughs> and it's not yes. it's not even like like wa- watered down beer. Yeah, it's not even good. Um, the place actually where I got my graduate degree is a dry campus. Uh, it's in Quincy, Massachusetts. It's a religious school. Um, Nazarenes, they're Nazarenes and, and they don't drink. I didn't know that, you know, before I enrolled. It didn't really matter to me. Uh but, yeah, they're a totally dry campus. They have sports and all that. The kids, you know, I mean, I was older. I was, like, 39 when I finished my master's. But, you know, kids were really nice. They seemed to have a good time, and they, they enjoyed themselves and all that. But, yeah, that would have been totally foreign to me when I went to college. I would have been, like, a dry campus? What are you, nuts? Like, I'm not – I didn't go to college for that. <laughs> exactly. Well, what would happen if there was no booze at, like – a corporate function. So you had to go in clean, sober, and deal with your co-workers. You, you would be able to answer that better than me. I have no idea. Well, remember... Like, they, like a weekend retreat with no booze? I mean, are those things mostly about drinking? I've never been on a corporate retreat. Are they a lot about drinking? Um, there's, there's always alcohol there. And there's always a few people who do drink a decent amount but nobody it's not like a tailgate situation yeah everybody's socially drinking well i we this must be what a year and a half ago we did a podcast about those venture capital events and uh oh yeah that's right that was a good one yeah and that that's the thing it's like you know it's to me it's a terrible thing to set up like putting a bunch of guys who are probably pretty dorky and don't have a lot of experience with women, but they have a lot of money and these women are there looking for that money and it's nighttime and there's alcohol involved. It becomes like, what is this? Is this a social event or is this business? If it's business, you should have it at noon on a Wednesday and there shouldn't be any alcohol anywhere near it. So, and I'm not excusing any of these guys' behavior, but it's like, this is just being set up for disaster. Meaning like, if you're at a corporate event, if you're with all your people or or you're there with clients, like, you know, if it were me, I wouldn't have any alcohol. I mean, I'd be worried about, 
you know, if I said something yes, right. or, you know, I remember. Well, my, there's all uh, the li- there's all the liability associated with too. Someone gets in their car and. Oh yeah, and yeah. I don't know what the the law is in Massachusetts, but if I my son, let's say my sons have a party here, right? My son has a party, and they're drinking, right? And I maybe I don't even allow it. Maybe I'm not even in the house. If one of his friends gets in the car, drives home, and hits somebody and kills somebody, we are liable. Yeah, I mean, when it got to court, it might be a little different. But yes, those laws are in the books here. But you know that stuff is rampant. Around. I was talking to this school uh, safety officer last year, and he said that stuff is rampant, like underage drinking at homes. Parents know about it. So a lot of times the parents are half in the bag. I mean, it's like, <laughs> seriously, Jesus. he said he's walked into some really ugly scenes in very nice homes. Very, listen to this one. This, this made me want to weep, okay? Uh, last week, I mean, this was a good thing. I, I was uh, chosen by one of my students for teacher appreciation. He's the starting quarterback on the football team. So I accompanied him out onto the field. Really nice event. It was, it was really, um, did you, right before you were presented with the, uh, the award, did you tackle? There's no award or anything like that. I wasn't the only teacher. There was like 30 other teachers. You you should have just like, he's walking ahead of you. You should have just like all out sprint and tackle (laughs) him from behind. (laughs) I was thinking about suiting up and standing on the sideline as a ringer. (laughs) You're going to bring in the ringer. Yeah, I, I thought this was part of the award that I can play. Now, some of these high school kids are, like, some of their linemen are six foot four, about 250 pounds. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine. I would be in the hospital the next day. You get, you get <laughs> hit by a, a freight train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, even if they offered it to me, I would not. Uh... So anyway, a couple of weeks before that, there was an issue. Kids were, I mean, they're high school kids. They're going to do what they do. They're sneaking in booze. I guess some of them were kind of intoxicated. And then a, a teacher was intervening in something and they were yelling insults. It was not a, a wonderful scene. And it made the front page of the local paper down there. So now they have more of a police presence and all of that. But another teacher was telling me that these parents, now imagine this is your Friday night, okay? Imagine this is your Friday night, and then imagine trying not to walk in front of a bus the next day, if this is your life. (laughs) These parents would gather at a local tavern at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, get loaded for about three hours, then go over to the high school football game. So the, the teacher was like, not only do we have students, their parents are here half in the bag. And that's their Friday night. Jesus. Could you imagine showing up tanked at a high school football game? High school. Oh. I mean. (laughs) Unbelievable. I I remember this was like, this was a couple years back, and this was, this was a friend. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names. So he he lives in New Jersey, and it was his 40th birthday party. So Gene and I, we drive out. It's just like. It's a terrible drive. Long Island to Jersey hits all kinds of traffic. That's the worst. That's we, probably the worst drive in America, I would think. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the reason why people from New Jersey hate Long Islanders and vice versa. Right. It's because there's no easy way to go. You, you basically got to like cut through Manhattan or Staten Island, yeah. go through Brooklyn, the belt. It's just a disaster. Anyway, yeah. 
So we get there, it's like 50 miles away, takes us like two and a half hours. It's just just insane. So we get there, we walk into this hall, and I think I told this story before, and you open the door and there are beer pong tables set up. (laughs) There's about eight beer pong tables and everybody is playing, everyone. So we I, go in there, and we, we see some other mutual friends, and we, go, we like sit down wait, wait, were, at a were table. They, was this guy trying to sort of relive his college experience? Maybe. You know, they played beer pong in That's college. That's a college. I shouldn't say maybe. He is. I mean, he played beer pong yeah, in college. Yeah, but it was everybody was playing. You don't everybody, play beer so, pong when you're 40 years old. No, so he, especially like we're dry, like I, I drove there. Right. Like, what right. am I going to do? And like beer pong, if you're, and I'm terrible at beer pong, I'm going to be annihilated within the first 10 minutes the because I can't. The point of the game is to get loaded. That's all. Right. So, I mean, in this place, everyone's playing. So there's just the four of us kind of off the side, not playing. So said friend comes over and he's like, oh, come on, let's play. Like forcing us onto a table. And I'm like, no, no, no. Oh. I was like, I'm, I, I got to drive, but I'm, I'm not. And everybody, everybody's driven there. Every single person, everyone's playing. So anyway, we, we stick it out for like maybe 90 minutes. And then I think they served food. I can't remember. But even when the food was served, the tables were still going. Like, and then like people like would get the ping the ping pong ball and then scream and then like knock over like beers. <laughs> I I thought it was I was in like a college dorm. Now we're we're four we're forty years old, forty, oh, forty one years old. Man. That is yeah. so sad. That is and drinking so like sad. like natty lights uh, or Milwaukee best. Ugh. Uh, there was two. There was two kegs at either end of the room to fill up the red Dixie cup, party cups. Oh, God, I mean, come on, man! <laughs> like that's not even a <laughs> drinking issue. Like I don't, I don't. You know, let me put in the background. I don't judge anybody who drinks. I like to see people having a good time. It's great, you know. But uh, that is just like, come on, man! Beer pong, like let's. I remember this was years ago. This was probably fifteen years ago, uh, when I was. Oh wait, wait! I'm so, I'm sorry. Just to interrupt you. I forgot the the button of the story. So this what maybe like two weeks later we go to we go to his house because uh, I think his like family was having a party for him for his fortieth. And what was in the um, the room just off the living room? was a branded beer pong table with the logo of his university. That was his 40th birthday present. So obviously this was something he did in college that he was quite proud of. I believe so, yes. Oh my God, that's like, that's embarrassing. Like that, that's what people know about you from college. You played beer (laughs) pong, you know, (laughs) Yeah, that's your legacy. Uh, I remember I just, I went to uh, this guy's, um, he was a guy, he was a grip, and uh, I'd worked with him on a few things, and he invited me out to his, um, he had a, lived in an apartment, kind of an apartment house, and he had a backyard in Brooklyn, so he invited me over for a uh, cookout, 
I went over with another guy and we go into the backyard and he's there with like a bunch of his college friends who I didn't really know. And I was, they were kind of meatheads, kind of frat boys, you might say. So we had a couple of kegs. I take a a beer from one of the kegs. It tasted like rancid vomit. And guess what brand it was? Schaefer. Schaefer beer. Which I remember distinctly from college because one of the first places I ever went had a drink up for $5 for two hours, all the Schaefer beer (laughs) you could drink. It is the worst beer ever. It is awful. And these guys, it was like their big college thing. Like they used to drink it in college. So they got, I was like, me and the other guy had to go get like a case of beer from the store. Because I was like... I can't drink this. Like I'll I'll throw up after one. Oh, I, I mean, if you if you take your a Budweiser, at like room temperature, it's disgusting. I know, but at these tailgates, how many gallons of that you think are going down the hatch? Ooh, many many <laughs> gallons. So, um, just to wrap up, our, so let me just say this is not a slam on alcohol. We were just kind of wondering in. Many situations you could name corporate events, sports teams. I mean that, or sports games, like because it's huge. It's advertised in all the stadiums. It's uh, served. I mean NASCAR. What would happen to NASCAR? Oh, NASCAR would go away. Now it would go away. I don't know what state I would have to be in to sit there and watch cars drive in a circle. For five hours or however long they do it. I mean, it is the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, golf, isn't isn't beer and golf, doesn't that go oh, together? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hockey. You know what I find yeah. funny is like, it's like a baseball game and then it's like they cut you off at the seventh inning. Or if it's basketball, they cut you af- off after the third quarter. Like somehow you're going to miraculously sober up in 15 minutes. It, it's just such a BS moral stand they're supposedly taking yeah uh, okay okay there bob you've already had 28 years <laughs> you're cut off <laughs> but but you're cut no more that's it you got to sober up to get behind that truck and drive home but it, it's funny like if you think about a bar when you're in your mid-20s you know uh what if all of a sudden there's like no alcohol there I, i'm picturing these bars i used to go to they'd be packed Packed on a Saturday night, packed on a Friday night, music be really loud. Like, what if you just took alcohol out of there and everybody drank sodas or fruit juice? Well, I mean, there are there are bars like that in right, Brooklyn, right? In yeah, L.A. And, now right. they're like, what are they called? Like cocktail infusion? Yeah, There's some name like for that. it. Yeah, it's like yeah. they make like like tea and like they make these cocktail infusions. Well, it, it's a way for people to have like. You know, it, it's it's been known as a social lubricant, and it obviously is. You can, like, talk to people. You feel a little more comfortable, especially if everybody's a little lubricated, you know. Um, and it, it's fun. You know, it's fun. But, it, again, when it, you know, tips over the other side, which is not really what we're getting into. We're just talking about, in a lot of these different things, like, really, let's say, on average, 30,000 people attend a Yankees game. Like, throughout the season, the average is 30000 a game. Bang, they stop selling beer. What would happen to that attendance? Would it be 30,000 people a game? No. No. 
yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, may, may, they'd be, I think they'd be lucky if they could break 10,000. Yeah. So there's a few things you can do uh, at a sporting event if you're not drinking. One, you could uh, enjoy a mocktail and keep a drink in hand. So, you know, have yourself a, a Coke or something like that, or maybe have like a cranberry juice. And uh, I, I like cranberry juice and ginger ale or cranberry juice and uh, tonic water. That's pretty good. You have one of those. And a lot of times if people think you already have a drink, they're not going to kind of pressure well, you to the, have one. There, there is, I mean, a lot of these beer companies, uh, they're making non-alcoholic right. beer. Yeah. Apparently yeah. that Heineken Zero is actually, have you had one of those? They're actually, it's supposed to be pretty good. I I don't really drink non-alcoholic beer. I uh, I like ginger beer. Ginger beer is really good. You ever have that? Yeah, ginger beer is good. Yeah, it's got I've a nice good. snap to it. Uh, you could drink water, obviously, is another one. Focus on food. I like to focus on food. I have to say, um, I was at Shea Stadium many years ago, and I was very impressed with the quality of the food. And apparently... Oh, the, ga- the game, they've stepped up their game. Yeah. They've got Shake Shack there. They've yeah. got that Mexican joint. It's very good. Yeah, and apparently Yankee Stadium... Uh, Someone on the radio was saying that they had really good food and it wasn't that expensive. Like, you know, it's expensive enough, but it wasn't, they weren't killing you too badly on the prices and it was actually good. Um, and then it says, actually, watch the game. I'm looking at a picture of these two guys wearing headdresses uh, at some sort of football game and they are obviously over the age of 40. One guy looks like he's well into his 60s. And he's got his face painted. He's got a headdress on. He's he's, he's having a <laughs> the time of his life. There's another thing you can do: paint your face. You do that. Paint, paint your, face. your face. Put on some feathers. You'll be the life of the party. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, hey, listen. We're not telling you to drink. We're not telling you not to drink. We're not telling you what to do, not to do, what to it's eat. A, it's a free whatever. country. This is America. Do whatever you want. This is America. Do whatever you want. You just. I always tell this kid asked me the other day. They have research papers. Said, "Do we have to do this?" I said, "Paul, this is America. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do." And he said, "That's right. Look at our president." Well, he said, "But he I'll, does I'll, whatever he wants." He said, "But I'll get a zero on this if I don't do it." And that is correct. There you go. There, so are, there, co- are, there are consequences. There are consequences. Although, as if, you say, if you with our president, apparently there are not. I mean, if you uh, if you down two cases of uh, Schlitz, is it Schlitz or Schaefer? There's both. There's both. Both. There's e- either there's way, there's, there's consequences, consequences to that action. You can you can drink a bottle of tequila. There's, there's going to be consequences. <laughs> free, free country, but there's there's going to be consequences. That that's the thing too. Like you can't. Well, this has changed, but up until two years ago, you could not smoke marijuana. Now I don't smoke marijuana. Not really interested in it. But you now, I don't think there's any cases of any overdoses from marijuana. I don't think it's physical. I, I think I think there's zero deaths, zero overdose cases. I mean, you can put a good hurting on yourself. I think if you use too much alcohol, you could go drink two fifths of vodka and choke on your own vomit, and you're well within your constitutional rights. Absolutely, you're entitled. I'll say you're you entitled are to that. Entitled it's en- yeah, it's entitlement. That. Yeah, that's privilege right there. All right, everybody, we'll be back at you very soon with more podcasts on more hard-hitting social and working issues at The Working Experience. All right, everyone, thanks for listening.
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.